Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Soprano Cast. I am Nate Maxson, one of your hosts, and of course, I am joined as always by my associate, Mr. Archie Mitchell. What's up, everybody? Hope everybody had a great Thanksgiving. Sorry, we've had a few, a couple of weeks off here. We just have been busy the holidays and things and life and life, just life. Yes, yes, <laughs> just life. And we do hope and wish that you guys had a happy Thanksgiving. Uh, that you and your guys, guys had families had a chance to, you know, enjoy each other, enjoy some food, some football, or whatever it is that you do. And we want to wish you a happy upcoming uh, Christmas uh, holiday season as well. Yes, absolutely. And uh, th- whatever you celebrate, just right. enjoy it. Just enjoy right, exactly. it. Exactly. There's so there's so much negativity and bad things in the world nowadays. Oh that, yeah. Um, I mean, for for our Thanksgiving this year. We actually did something, and uh, my wife decided to do it just for this year, and I told her I'd, I want to actually do this every year now. Okay. What she did is she made breakfast. She made, like, a big-ass okay. breakfast. Like, and, and those of you that don't know, my wife's from the <laughs> South, so the gravies, the homemade sausage gravy, oh, and the man. homemade biscuits, and the ham, and the 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 the, uh, the baked apples, and mm. and all of that, so... We made a big old breakfast, told everybody, come on over around 10 o'clock. So we like had it. everybody, we had everybody in 10 o'clock by one o'clock. Everybody was gone. Damn. So for the rest of the day, it was me, the wife, the cats and the dogs. I got to just lay around, watch TV, take right. naps. Perfect. Nothing so from now on, from now on at our house, it's breakfast for Thanksgiving. <laughs> I don't but see, we, we do that. Uh, we do Christmas Eve dinner. And then we do uh, Christmas Day breakfast. So I, I, I like that. Yeah, it's a mm-hmm. change. You know, it doesn't always have to be a heavy turkey and stuffing and ham. And the, sometimes breakfast goes a long way. You know what yeah. I mean? So I, I enjoy yeah. it. And yeah, I, I think I might be coming to your, your house for breakfast next Thanksgiving because I love Southern uh, breakfast. So I'll, I'll enjoy yeah. it. <laughs> You're invited. And then you can leave with my kids at one and go wherever they're going. <laughs> Perfect. Perfect. I like it. Your kids are going to be but like, yeah. who's this old dude you're sending with us? What's going on here? <laughs> I'd be like, just take care of him. You know what I'm saying? Right. Take care of him. Um, but yeah, the, this week on the show, we are discussing season one, episode 10. The title of the episode is A Hit is a Hit. Uh, there are some uh, some different you know, double entendres for that one. There's yeah. a couple of reasons it is that that this is the name of the episode it aired on march 14th 1999 and i have to say before we start there are no bad episodes of the sopranos no i just want to put that out there it's one of my favorite television shows of all time well the johnny cakes episodes are a little rough but they're still passable but and here's what i'm here's what i'm saying it's kind of like it's kind of like when you say like um you know, like one of my favorite bands is Evanescence. Okay, right. I would I would never say there's a bad Evanescence song. <laughs> right. But there are Evanescence songs. When it compared to other people's music, I would say their music is the best. But when I'm just comparing the Evanescence songs, you have to have those comparative too. Mm-hmm. That being said, I'm taking a long way to say this. This is actually... And again, it's great television. It's The Sopranos. It's always good. This is one of my least favorite episodes of The Sopranos. Uh, I can I can understand why. There's a lot going on, but nothing really gets solved. 
It's like they just went around in a big damn circle from the minute the episode starts to the minute it ends. It leaves you scratching your head like, okay, where do we go from here? Mm -hmm. And there is good um, stuff. There is good stuff in here, again, because it is The Sopranos. And I figured when I was watching this episode, I was like, I bet Archie likes this episode because it's a very Chris-heavy episode. I do, but the reason I don't like all right, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna be really honest and transparent here. One of my least favorite characters on the Sopranos is Hesh. Okay. Because he seemed very snaky. Mm-hmm. You know, he as much as he helped Tony, he was always out for his bottom dollar when it really came down to it. Like when Junior taxed him and then they got it down cheaper. And they whacked it up amongst the five bosses, the the capos. Tony gave him back his money. And he never once said, no, 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 please don't do it. He was expecting it. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. When when Tony borrowed later on in time, I won't give that much of a spoiler. When Tony borrows money from Hesh because he's becoming a degenerate gambler, Hesh starts hounding him for the money. It's like, I'm your friend. And you know I'm going to pay you. Right. You know what I mean? We've been friends for 30 years. You were friends with my dad for 20 years before that. How dare you make it seem like I'm a deadbeat? Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, you were expected to get your 50 grand back when we chopped it up between the the bosses. You know what I mean? So right. Right. I, the, this this having a lot to do with Hesh and his business outside of the mob, it's just not my favorite episode. I put it maybe in a top 20, but not in a top 10 or a top 5 even. Um, the, the main stories that we have going, we do have some, some stories weaving through this. It's almost like, I guess what I want to say is it's, it doesn't have, like you said, it doesn't really advance any of the story. It's kind of like its own standalone episode. It's like they were trying to offshoot other stories like Adriana, Hesh, you know, Tony not being that involved in the company business that much anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, you're trying to pull back already. Um, so yeah, they were trying to give you other things because they didn't want to really advance the story just yet. Cause we're only three episodes out from the finale of this right. season. Right. So, yeah. It was, it was busy work, you know, mm-hmm. we'll do this <laughs> until we get to that. So well, we, we opened the episode <clears throat> with Chris and Polly posing as delivery guys. Yes. And, uh, well, of course they're posing and they, uh, find themselves, Kind of in the lap of luxury here. Yes, they do. Yes, they do. <laughs> and yeah, they're they're in a Colombian drug dealer's drug den, and they were um, it, it, it as the Tony's words when he, he's explaining this, it's that once in a lifetime score that they've been waiting for. Mm-hmm. And how many times have we heard this in mob shows or mob movies like Goodfellas and and Casino? you wait for a score like this because you know it's money that's going to change your life. Right. So Yes. And I think that deep down inside, uh, maybe not, maybe not Polly Walnuts, but I think deep down inside, anybody that does what Tony or Chris do for, to mm-hmm. make their living deep down inside in the back of their mind, they're always looking for, like you said, especially the big score that could possibly get them out of it. Right. You know, because it seems like being in the mob or being in the mafia would be a stressful fucking life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh yep. yeah, there's lot there's lots of money and there's not lots of uh 
lots of accoutrements and stuff, but there is a price to pay for it. Oh, yeah. You could end up dead in jail, uh, uh, kidnapped if they really want it. You know what I mean? You never know what's about to happen. So, of course. Mm -hmm. But, yes, the... uh, the guys, the guys like to, like Archie said, the guys score the money from the Colombians. And uh... <laughs> my favorite scene in this whole part is when they're looking for the money and they can't find it. And then, you know, it's just it's like such a hidden moment when they just, oh, there it is. And their eyes open yeah. up like children <laughs> in a candy store. It's like, like oh, uh... there it is. It's like when they finally, when they finally get to, see, we don't get to see it, but when they finally get to see what's in the briefcase in Pulp Fiction, right? Exactly. You know? <laughs> everybody, everybody's eyes perked up, and it's like, oh, okay, because they were getting ready to leave with just what was on the table. Like you said, yeah. there was going to be more here, and yeah, 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 and then all of a sudden, it's oh, wait, we, we we're here. Okay, good. Here it is. Let's go. And they call Tony, and they're all happy, and everybody's, you know celebrating and it's just like okay let's go we're off yeah. to the, we were off to the races quick and when polly in the time that polly makes the call to tony tony's actually in his kitchen right with uh we're introduced to dr cusimano um who is tony's neighbor um who is played by character actor robert lupone robert lupone and i had to look him up because then the reason i did was because I just remember in the 80s and 90s, especially in TV shows. Yep. This is this is one of those guys that was in so much stuff. A great yes. character actor, but I don't know his name. There are so many <laughs> of those people, you know, you know their face, but you don't know their name. Right, right. And he was a like you mentioned, he's a character actor. I've seen him on improv comedy before, and I've seen him in serious movies and serious TV shows. Which mm-hmm. is the face that sticks out to you when you're an TV and movie watcher, but again, you just don't know the name. So thank you for telling me his name, Mr. Max. <laughs> yes. And unfortunately it looks like here, according to IMDB, uh, he passed away last year. Oh, well, that's not good. So <laughs> rest in peace, Robert Lupone. Glad we yes. finally know your name. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> but yeah, there, Tony and Tony and Dr. Cusimano were in the kitchen um, at Tony's house. Tony gives him a gives him a box of cigars. Uh, of course, we get the whole Tony. These are illegal, blah blah blah. Because mm-hmm. uh, this is going to develop as the show goes on, and actually lead to a great punchline at the end. Oh yeah. But, um, yeah. So essentially, this is just Tony talking to, I guess you'd say, quote unquote, a legit guy. You know, right. and and uh, the the doctor tells Tony he should come to the come to the his club to play golf because Tony mentions that he just plays at the public club. He doesn't right. play at any of the private clubs. Um Which and like odd because we later find out Tony is a member at a country club in New Jersey because of the sanitation business that he's a part of. Mm-hmm. So the fact that he doesn't use that to his you know to his means to an end if I was a member of a country club Shit, I'm playing it every every day. Right. You know what I mean? and, that, so. and to be honest with you, that's probably <laughs> one of those things that later on down the line when they were writing the script, they just kind of ignored the script from this episode. Right. You right. notice that with TV shows sometimes, especially especially things that are in a first season. Because right. the first season, 
as they're writing it, as they're producing it, they don't know if they're getting a second season. Right. You know, so they're not really trying to fine tune. Well, what are we going to say in season five? Right. You know? Exactly. So, exactly. Yeah. Like the, right. there's, there's a few things this season that we are going to find out later on. They're going to kind of contra- contradict them, contradict oh, yeah. themselves. Oh, yeah. Uh, and the Dr. Kusumano character is a really good character. He actually, you, you see him wanting to befriend Tony, but yeah, he also knows in deep down inside Tony's a mob boss, you know, so he's a, a little bit afraid of him too. I'm kind of sat away from that character after we got other seasons in. Right. You know, because he was still yeah. living from Tony. So it mm-hmm. never made no sense why they drifted apart. You know, there was it Tony's decision. Was it Kusumano's decision? What you know? Yeah, yeah. And I, I think, I think you're right because I, the, the two actors have a good chemistry. The two characters yeah. have a good chemistry, and I think you could have. I guess I, I, I kind of agree with what you're saying. Is you could have had a, a like that guy could have been throughout the show. Maybe like it sounds stupid, but it, it could have been like a, a Tim Allen. Yeah, um, like a voice you know? reason, you know. What yeah, well, yeah, like every once, every once, in a, right? Yeah, every once in a while, they meet at the fence, you know. Or, and, right. and again, you know, it's absolutely not the same thing. But yeah, Wilson from Home Improvement, you know, Kusamano could have been the guy that Tony just—he's kind of the normal guy that Tony, right? Was, straight guy. Look, we all know, uh, as it was said multiple times in this show, Tony had nothing but yes men around him, people who were never going to disagree with him. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So he kind of maybe needed that normal civilian to be like, hey, you know, Kuz, I'm, I'm kind of not feeling well or my guys are not working. You know, not tell him he's in the mob, obviously. But, you know, my workers at the sanitation place, they do it too well, whatever. So that because you're messing up, you know, right. this, that, it's easy this way. It might have been a decent character in season four or five. Right. You know, yeah. all, you know, so. Well, we do get then, uh, of course, the um, because they have fallen into some money. Chris has taken Adriana to a show. Yes, and um, they are okay. I do not. I do not know New York City, other than mm-hmm. what I've seen on television or what have you. Right, um, and I never will because I don't ever want to go there. But. <laughs> I'm sorry, Archie, but the the East Coast, like that, 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 well, that part of the East Coast, I would come, I would come visit you. Right. But I would never, like, just, I don't know, man, the idea of that traffic (laughs) and that, the people and the every, oh, God, I don't know. It's just not. Nate, nothing you've heard is a lie. It's all true. (laughs) I'm good. I have not been in New York City myself. And, and, you know, New York City. I've been to New York State. There's a mm-hmm. difference. New York State, you know, country area. New York City, ghetto. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> but, you know, I, I haven't been there in maybe two years solid. And I thank God because it's one of those things that, like you said, the traffic takes it takes you over an hour to get even into the city. Not where you want to go. Right. Like into where you're, okay, I'm in New York City now. Okay, how far to our destination? Oh, about another hour and a half. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, you're four blocks away, you know. And the people are just nasty. You will never encounter a nice person in New York if you do run, because that means they're <laughs> robbing you. 
And just yeah, so okay. everybody just, just so everybody can tell that I'm equal opportunity, I also never have any desire to go to Los Angeles. Just there it's fun. I've been there. There it's something a place like LA and a place like New York just does like I I I love Las Vegas. And Las Vegas is busy and everything, but it's just the just the sheer amount of people and the congestion or and right. I mean and and here in Ohio, you know, we have Dayton, Cincinnati, but I'm sure New York City is like Dayton, Cincinnati times 20. Yes. And when yeah. I have to go to Dayton and Cincinnati, I'm I'm pretty fucking annoyed. So <laughs> I can't imagine how I would feel in, in New York. But anyway, getting back no, to the man. show. It's, it's bad. That's all I'm going to say. And I have look, I have family that live in New York. I grew up in New York City. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I, I am. I can remember being 10 years old running down the streets of Manhattan and the village and, you know, crazy parts of Brooklyn and things like that with my buddies. But. Yeah, it's when you get older, you start to look at the city in a different way. It's a means to an end. Well, I want to see the tree at Rockefeller Center, so I'll just go there. Or I want to eat food on Fifty Second Street, I'll just go there. Right. You don't. You don't. When you go with a plan, you don't do anything else. You get in, you get out, and you're home. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> so, but my, I guess my question originally, just because I said I don't know New York City, is. Mm-hmm. Is is because we see we see um, Chris and Aid at a at a fast food place, right? Uh, they want to get some burgers before they go to their show or what have you. Mm-hmm. And my question was, what part of the city was this supposed to be in? Do you Harlem. know Harlem? Harlem. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. See, I I, and- I figured I kind of <laughs> thought that I kind of thought that because of and- obviously the African American population, right. but that was not me being racist though. No, no, Bad but they were also <laughs> since they were talking about going to a show. I didn't know mm-hmm. if it was supposed to be set closer to Broadway. Is what I'm no. saying. No, they were not going to a Broadway play. They were going to a night a bar slash nightclub called CBGBs, and I don't know if you're familiar with it. But it is I've in the it. 80s where all the punk bands started, like the Sex Pistols and, you know, a lot mm-hmm. of Sid Vicious and a lot of guys like that. So, but in it's now in the 90s and the 2000s and whatnot, it's become a grunge band rock place. It's not really about punk or it's just everybody goes there. Okay. So they were going there. And the reason I, 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 again, this was not me being racist, ladies and gentlemen. Please don't think hard. He's like, oh, he saw black people and he immediately thought it was Harlem. No, <laughs> I have been to this burger place. I know exactly where it is. And it is on 142nd Street in Harlem. And CBGB's is in the deep part of the village. And it's about, I want to say, 15 blocks away from this place. Okay. So. They're, they were probably either on foot or, you know, taking cabs and whatnot. They ate at this burger place. And, yes, it is that packed. It was not just that. Those were not extras. They were really there while they were, while it was in the heart of everybody ordering at, like, 1030 at night. Mm-hmm. So. And they, essentially, the, 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 the means to an end of this scene is so that they can meet a gangster rapper. <laughs> yes. Named Master Genius. Played by Bokeem, Bokeem Woodbine, making a special appearance. Who was a fantastic actor at this time. Oh, oh yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, massive genius. Yes. This yes. was obviously a, a, a ripoff of Master G. 
Uh, either that or maybe Master P. Master I meant P. Master P. I was said I said Master G because I saw Master Genius, right. Massive Genius. I thought Master P. He he might have been trying to be a lot of different gangster rappers at this time. I mean, he could have been a, a little bit of Snoop Dogg, a little bit of Master P. Master P was more of a um, hip hop, you know, wearing you know jeans and yeah. you know grungy Ooh, shirts. Right, you you remember him in WCW. Well, and the, re- the, the reason the reason the reason that I bumped on Master P at the time was because ninety nine two thousand was like the height of Master P's popularity. Right. So I was just wondering if the writers and producers of of the Sopranos it's were a possibility to capitalize on that. You know, it's a possibility. You never can tell. I mean, but I think they just went with a well, we need a gangster looking guy. You know what I mean? So yeah, go with that name, but give him this more hard edge. I'm from the streets kind of attitude. You know what I mean? Right. Um, the thing I obviously they're waiting for a burger. There's a 40 people in the restaurant. It's a small restaurant. Christopher gets racist, you know, and he makes a really snide (laughs) comment. Like, you know, if I wanted to wait in line, I'd go to the DMV, not to not come to showtime at the Apollo or something like that. Right. Right. Yeah. And everybody turns around looking to whip his ass because he's the only white guy in this place that's in Harlem. (laughs) And then Master Genius is like, you know, you, you a lot of talk from a small man. And, and then he finds out he's from the Tony Soprano crew. And again, this is where Hesh is snaky to me. Because this guy knows that Hesh is with the Tony Soprano crew. So now he's planning, oh, I'm going to use Christopher to get to Hesh, who I really need to get to. Because right. I, need to, I need to shake him down. So... You know, yeah, because the 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 long and the short of it is, um, Chris and Adriana <coughs> agree to meet with Master or Massive Genius. Massive I keep genius. saying Massive. It's ma- I keep saying Master. It's Massive Genius. He's a Massive right. Genius. Right. Um, because back in the day, Hesh was part of the music scene. When yes. you know, I guess you know, you're kind of leaning toward this is kind of taking a shot at you know the. You know, Sam Phillips and all those guys. Right. Um, Motown, Motown, where the right. African American, the African American talent, not just in Motown. Right. They were they were making the music they were putting on the show, but they were totally getting ripped off by the white people. Oh, yeah. Them. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And, you know, that's uh, uh, he doesn't tell Christopher that, though. See, that's mm-hmm. that Christopher was not dumb in any of this until he started speaking up. And, and taking this guy's side. Um, but he, if he would have told Christopher, you know, like, Hesh owes me money or whatever, Christopher probably would have went to Hesh and was like, yeah, I met a friend of yours, you know, or something. Yeah. But he doesn't tell him that. So they go, they went to a, a nightclub that Massive Genius is, I guess, the owner of or whatnot, and they drink with him. He's checking Adriana out the whole time, which yeah. is like, you, you, Christopher is, is in awe. He's not even realizing it at first. And they set up this date for him to meet Hesh and Tony. Yes. You know, so. And the thing of it is, is that, and I get what, and I, I believe me, I agree with what you're saying. In the 50s and 60s, these young 12, 13, 14-year-old kids were making music. They found representation. The representation was taking 80% of the payout, not giving them even, you know, enough money to, to, to live. But. To now come 60 years later, or 40 years later, 
and be like, you owe this guy's money, this this guy's money to his mother. His mother's still alive, but he's dead. It's like, why not just take him to court? Right. <laughs> why are we handling this outside of the court system then? You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I guess I guess the long and short of it, if you if you ask the character if he was a real person, he'd probably just say he didn't want to have to pay the lawyers, but right. Um but yeah, that that's going on. Um, we find that out, and then we go to what is actually of the two storylines going on in this episode. Mm-hmm. The Tony storyline is my favorite of the two. Oh yeah. Um, oh yeah. Tony, Tony, Tony's uh, the Sopranos are invited to a barbecue with all the. I just wrote down here the quote unquote straight people. Right. Even though, <laughs> even though, when you really think about it, at the end of the day. Are, are corporate America corporate guys really any less sleazy than a mobster? No, they just no. don't. They just don't admit it. A mobster yeah. will at least tell you I'm crooked. I yes, know. I'm I gonna, actually, I'm I well. actually, to be honest with you, I actually respect. I would respect. I would respect a, a mafioso more than I would respect a CEO. I agree. Because <laughs> when it's, the mafioso tells me we are family, I believe him. When right. the CEO tells me we're a family, I'm like fucking fuck off out of here. Right. <laughs> I've worked in cor- I've worked in corporate America long enough for that we are family thing. I'm just like yeah, whatever. No, no. that basically means I need a favor. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know yeah. I mean? When a mom boss tells you we're family, he's basically asking you, "What can we do for you?" Right. Yes. Exactly. Look at that do- generosity. Look, the, the the corporate boss when he says we're family means what are you going to do for me? Yes, what have you done for me lately? Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah, Tony's at the barbecue, um, standing around with like like I said the quote unquote straight guys, and uh, a couple of them are talking about some some mergers coming up in the stock market, and you can see you and Gandolfini does a great job in this in this scene acting. He's always good acting, but in this mm-hmm. scene. Because I just love the spark in Tony's eye of you can see that he's longing for something legitimate. Right. And he's kind of hoping they're going to give him a lead. But they're being very coy. Sort of like he would be with his business. You know, like if somebody asks him, hey, how'd you make that 400,000? Oh, you know, a little bit of this, a little bit of... They're not giving him the exact answer he wants to tell him a stock name or a Mm -hmm. company or something. Where he could maybe invest and try to make some money off of it too. Yes. You know what I mean? So he's stuck. He's he's hearing things, but he's not able to learn anything. He's not, yeah, he's not able to get <laughs> get the fucking information. No. Um and they're they're kind of pussyfooting around him as well. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And that they're they want to ask him the 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 really big questions of like, are you a mob boss? But they don't know how to go about it. They don't know is this guy gonna freak out? Is he gonna kill us all? You know what I mean? And I'm more than yeah. sure Cusimano told them, look, don't, don't embarrass me in front of my friend. You know, I like this guy. He's a good dude. He lives next door to me. And he's a mob boss. He might kill me. So please don't say anything out of the way. Yes. Which and I actually later on, but that's you I, know, neither here nor there. I actually have to apologize to Archie and the listeners. Mm-hmm. Just because I jumped us ahead a little bit in the episode. You're fine. Because, because on my notes, it I I have written down that the Sopranos were invited to the barbecue. This is where Carmela says that they're invited to the barbecue. 
so about 20 minutes later is when they're at the barbecue. But anyway, whatever. It's okay. You're fine. Um, the next thing we see, I call, you know what I call Chris and Adriana? What? I call them the dreamers. Oh, yeah. Because these two kids always have a dream. One wants to be an actor or a script writer. The other one now, Adriana sees this as an opportunity to be in music management. She's got this ex-boyfriend that has a band that, by the way, really fucking stinks. But anyway, bad, bad. Uh, God, the music in this episode is terrible. I would have loved <laughs> to have heard what he sounded like when he was on drugs. Because apparently he was much better. But I don't know. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yes. That's yeah, all they she, said. That's all they kept saying through that whole scene. He got clean. He got clean. He got clean. And then you hear him singing. You're like, well, maybe he didn't need to get clean. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so so Adriana's idea is that she's go, she wants Chris to set up a meeting with her or to let mass. I'm sorry, massive genius <laughs> hear this band. She wants to get into music management and she wants to use them as a way to get her break. And this made no sense to me because at this time in the 90s, 99, rap moguls were not backing heavy metal bands. Right. So for her to think that he was going to be an in for her into the music world made no sense. I, I just never got, you know, and he knows a lot of people. Yes, a lot of people in the rap business. Mm hmm. He's not going to do anything for a grunge band or a heavy metal band or a punk band. And then on top of that, the guy sucked yeah. when it was all said and done. <laughs> you know? And she refused to admit it because they, they hear that she hears it being done live and it sucked. But yeah. then she hears it on a demo and she thinks it's even better. And then Chris was like, I don't think this is any good. Even Christopher understood. A guy who didn't understand music and didn't understand our work. It really doesn't sound good to me. Yeah, it's the classic case of you're hearing what you want to hear. Right. Yeah. Right. And and as, as the episode goes on, you can see this massive genius guy is just playing along because he wants to get in Adriana's pants, obviously. Right. He wants to um, be in good with Christopher because he figures he could use Chris anytime he needs a meeting with somebody yeah. in Tony's crew. He wants to get in Adriana's pants. And he also knows that maybe if he needs a problem fix, Christopher might be stupid enough to fall for it and do it. Right, right. You know, <laughs> so he sees it as a, you know, good relationship for himself, which honestly, truthfully, I think Christopher would end up killing this guy later on in time had they kept the character and went on longer, but you never can tell. Right. Um, so speaking of that, the next thing that we see, speaking of, Massive Genius is we now have our, our meeting with Massive Genius and Hesh. And of course, Massive yep. Genius has his crew with him, and of course, Hesh has Tony's crew with him. Right. Um, and the the long and short of it is, like Archie kind of mentioned earlier, they believe that this um what is it, Jimmy Willis, I believe is Jimmy the name Willis, they give yes. The, yes. That his uh, mother is it his mother? Yes, his mother. I, okay, yes. I believe it's Idella Willis is her name. I, I, okay. That's a really I, I, piece I wasn't, of bad information to know. I well, no, I was just, I was just gonna say, I guess I missed it. I, I was like, did they say it was his mother or his wife? But his mother, either yeah. way, they say that uh Hesh owes her four hundred thousand dollars in mm -hmm. reparations. Right, because not only did he use Jimmy Willis during his career, 
but then he sampled some of Jimmy's songs later on on other artists' albums. Mm-hmm. So you didn't just want your cake. You wanted to eat it, too, and laugh about it. Right. You know what I mean? Yes. <laughs> and I see, on something like this, on something like this kind of situation, I see I see both sides. Yes. And the way, the way I'll say I see both sides is, if Jimmy Willis was still alive, yes, I would mm-hmm. say you owe him that money. Yes, exactly. Because he he did the work. <laughs> but if if he's not alive anymore, I'm sorry, we're it's lost to time. It just is what it is. I, I agree. I agree. Because here's the thing. I always said, and we well, don't get we don't really get polit we don't really get political here. That's not what the point of the show. But I've always said about oh. reparations for slavery. If someone could, if someone, whenever they started demanding reparations for slavery, if someone would have been able to go out and find me someone that was actually a slave, right? That was a, that was alive that had to live through that awful, awful thing. I would say give them all the money that they earned. Give them all the money they deserve and give them a little extra because they were demeaned and treated like an animal and they deserve it. Right. But when you get to their great, 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 great grandson or whatever. Exactly. It's not even their next of kin. It's the it's so far removed that that kid or that that grandson or granddaughter or niece or nephew don't even know what slavery is. Right. You know what I mean? And that's was was one of my points. You need to pay his mom this money. Well, did his mother realize you were using his music or did you? And you maybe mm-hmm. get a taste of it once she gets her money. You know what I mean? Right. It just all smelled bad. And of course, I shouldn't make it work, seem any better because I think, please, don't want to be upset. I'm not using this and I'm going to say this in a, as politically correct as possible. Uh, Hesh is acting like a typical 90s Jewish person in that he's holding on to his money like it's the last thing he's got left yeah. on earth. You know what I mean? Yes. And, and you know, this is wrong. And, you know, this is the, maybe he could have counter offered, you know, and said, look, I, I give you 150 or like you did with Junior. Mm-hmm. But then he's like, nope, I owe them more than nothing. And they're like, well, then we're going to court. Well, you should have just yeah. went to court to fight life. <laughs> you waited 30 years to come after 400 grand. You know what I mean? I agree. Nate, I agree. Nate, if I got a hundred dollars left out in the wind, I'm going after it. I'm not going to wait. Yeah. 30 years to go after 400 grand. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's ridiculous. Yeah. I guess. <clears throat> I don't know. There's a lot yeah. of loopholes in this story. And I think that's why yeah. I'm not a big fan of it. Um, oh, and it gets worse later on. We're going to get to that part. <laughs> yes. It, yes, we are. It gets, even, it gets even stupider when we get to the ending of the episode. So <laughs> and when we, we go back to Adriana and Chris here. Playing, they're playing uh, uh, art, uh, music producers, and listening yeah. to this really shitty band. And yeah. the the thing that I laughed at and did not, and I pissed off at the same time, was the guy who's actually producing for them in the in the studio. Says, "Dude, you've got no chorus. It's just one hook after another." <laughs> Yes. <laughs> and I laughed hysterically because I'm like, damn, he's right. They just kept I've been, yeah, I've been thinking this since we started this episode. Right. And then he comes back with, not everything is the Beatles. And I go, how ass backwards could you be? You're really going to question yeah. the Beatles? Why would, you not as- why would you not aspire to be the most successful band of all time? Right. 
That's like saying not everything's Michael Jackson. Well, I'm sorry, and it should be. You know, why would you go after the biggest kings in all of rock and roll? You know, but so. but but this scene does result in the best line of the entire. Oh episode. yeah, oh yeah. Um, and I bet I know because, which one you're going to say. <laughs> because essentially, what happens here is is of course this guy's got a fucking attitude, and he's got an attitude with the producer. And Chris is pissed because essentially he's and he's not in the wrong. He's saying we paid for this studio time, right? Because this guy's like, I got five days off of Kinko's, man, right? But, and I got to go to an AA meeting, and I'm like, right? Really? And <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Chris is pretty much telling him take some fucking drugs. Chris but, hits him with a guitar. Yes, best, and I, <laughs> best guitar shot since Joe Jarrett's first one delivered. <laughs> And then in the best line of the entire episode, Chris says, take it from the top. And then yep. he looks at the broken guitar and he'll goes, he goes, we'll use a ukulele. Right. Exactly. Perfect. It was yeah. perfect. You know, he throws a bag. Of, I don't know if it was crystal meth, cocaine or what. He's like, go in the bathroom, snore up and come back out and go to work. And I'm like, you know what? Yeah, go do it. You got a chance <laughs> to be making crazy money if you get signed and not work at Kinko's anymore. Right, you know. <laughs> so, and of course, Adriana's pissed because this is my thing. I wanted to be mm-hmm. the producer, and you know what? The, I, I don't know how Christopher didn't say to him, "Why didn't you realize this was crap?" Right, you know, or something yes. to that effect. He's he just, you know. So okay, I. So the next thing that we see on the show is um, Doctor Melfi. And she is at a party at Dr. Cusimano's house. Yes. And, and of course, inevitably, as always happens when the people who are not in the Soprano family that know the Soprano family, when the Soprano family is not around, they are talking about the Soprano family. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And, you know, it wasn't so much Cusimano, and obviously Milty couldn't mention that it was, it was a patient of hers because of you know, confidentiality and all that. But the rest of the people at the table are talking serious shit, even Cusimano's wife. You yeah. know what I mean? That, you know, how bad they are, and it's it's weird having them in the neighborhood, and it's, it's like, what have they done? He didn't fire a bazooka off his, you know, off his roof at anybody's house. You know? Right. It's, it's like they're <laughs> normal people when they're not, you know, having their normal, you know, when he's not at work. Mm-hmm. You know? And and like I said, to me, the biggest thing is the the hypocrisy of these, I guess, quote unquote, white collar, you know. Yeah. Especially these corporate guys. I just, I don't know. I just being being associated with corporate America for as long as I was sours me on people like this. And I'm sure there are just like any, it's just like any other thing. There's probably there's probably corporate executives out there that are perfectly nice people, but yes. You know, they t- they want to talk about how he does dirty business and everything. And, you know, each and every one of them all does dirty business in their mm-hmm. own field. So um, I, b- I believe it was Jesus who said, let he would not sin cast the first stone. You know what I mean? Yes. I hate to get religious, yeah. but it's the truth. You cannot be hypocritical like that and tell me he does dirty business and he's a mobster and he kills people. And it- well, you essentially just, you don't pull the trigger, but you essentially do the same thing on your day-to-day business. Yeah, yeah. You know, so. And um, the, 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 <laughs> is as a plot, 
goes to Tony's house. Right. Restroom. Because she, she wants to get a look at Tony's place. Right. Right. So we need to look at him, his family, or see what he does. And all she hears is screaming. Yeah. Because Tony's working yeah. out in the basement. <laughs> yes. We find that we find out later Tony's working out in the basement. And I think it's a uh, obviously it's a way to take out his frustrations. Um, right. After that, of course, then now she she is talking to him in the office the next day. And like I was alluding to earlier, he he's kind of talking about wanting to branch out. Right. You know, and and you can kind of see he's, he's the what the 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 allure of legitimacy. Of course. I guess is what's getting to him. Well, uh, not having the cops at your house every week, you know, or the FBI. Yeah. Having your money be able to be actually used and not worry if someone's going to question how you got it. Not having people talk about you behind your back that you're a killer or a, a maniac or whatever. And also being accepted in public. Because mm -hmm. again, where he went, which the only restaurant we ever really saw Tony eating at was Vesuvio. You know, so that was his best friend's restaurant. The only places he would go were, were places that he knew the mob was accepted. So, yeah, it would have been nice for him to be able to go to that country club and have a normal day or go to dinner without worrying. Somebody's going to walk in and start shooting me or something. Legitimacy would have bought him a, a, a breath of fresh air as well as some, some mindset, you know, a different mindset going forward. Yeah. Yeah. I guess the worst thing about it is you're going to go legit, but they're never going to let you. Well, yeah, but I, in, in some ways, uh, I mean, him being the boss, he might have been able to afford himself a little more. Uh, he could have pushed away, you know. We, or we leave the country. Yeah. Right, right. But we heard it a million times. His, his lawyer told him, pull back, pull back. Name mm -hmm. a successor, pull back. And he could have. For the most part, he could have been Joe Schmo. Yeah. But he was... He was afraid of missing the, the in today's world, it's known as FOMO, the fear of missing out. Well, he was afraid of missing out on something. Yes. So that's what it was. He liked both worlds. He liked the the straight guy world and then he liked the mobster world. He wanted both. Mm -hmm. And you can't have both. No, no. You can't have it all. You can't have your cake and eat it too, Tony. Nope. And that's the thing of it too, though, because Milfi is essentially trying to explain this to him. But he's wrapped up in how nice Kusumano's friends were being to him at the barbecue that he was at. So he thinks they're accepting him. And he's about to find out different. Yeah. When he when he goes golfing with them, you literally see him go from this big bad mafioso to this little kid who's being teased almost. Yes. You know what I mean? And because well, it's they like he says in the questions. They, yeah, they ask him questions about how real, how realistic is the Godfather. Right. Uh, they ask him if he knew John Gotti. Right. And then you, then he, obviously, with the the way it's performed and the acting, the straw that breaks the camel's back for Tony or the, the moment he realizes, Oh, I'm just, as he says in the, in the office later with Melfi, a dancing fucking bear to these guys right. exactly. is, is, is the John Gotti thing and the <laughs> ice cream yep. truck. Yep. And then he proceeds to tell them a story that is obviously not true. <laughs> right. Because yeah. now it's Tony 
And Tony, again, I say in every single episode of this show, my one of my favorite things about Tony Soprano is his sense of humor and his sarcasm. Yep, and it comes right? out through and through here. Yes, when he tells the story about the uh, the ice cream truck and how John Gotti bought it out from underneath him or whatever, and then he gave yep. him a ride home and he rang that bell, bell all the way home. The way home. Yep. And these guys, these guys don't know whether he's telling the truth or not. Well, so they, he it's knows. Almost, it's almost like they're looking at him like, do you think we're schmucks? You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, so he kind of got one up on them because they thought yes. he was going to tell them some insider business dealings of, you know, John Gotti did this and he killed this guy and he killed that guy. He's telling him about a Mr. Ice Cream bar. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah. <laughs> and I, again, it's, that's, like I said, that's one of my favorite, my favorite um, aspects of his character. Yep. And then I got to say, even though I'm, I know that we are 20 something years later and people are more sensitive about things or anything, everything and all that. But man, I still laugh when he tells the cleft palate kids story. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. God, I laugh because apparently essentially Tony is saying, you know, there was a kid in school that had the cleft palate, you know, and him and his buddies would call him up or just have him hang out with them just because he amused them as Tony felt at the golf course. And then when the laughs ran out, they stopped calling him. Right. And the punchline's funny, though, when he says, you know, the guy wound up going up the river for armed robbery. robbery. It was easy to figure out who it was. (laughs) Give me the money. money. (laughs) I don't care. I don't care if it's offensive or not. It's fucking funny. No, it's hysterical. It's hysterical. Because who amongst us doesn't have a friend like that? Yeah. That's what it feels comes after. But yeah, he, he feels like he's been made out to be a fool, and <clears throat> I mean, obviously, they, he, he, him being Tony Soprano, he could have done it one of three ways. He could have either killed them all, he could have done something to harm them, you know, in their their households or their businesses, or he could have made them look like smugs, which is what he did in the golf course, mm-hmm. you know. So, uh, but yeah, I feel this this was one of those moments where you really feel for him, and you see him as a legitimate person. In that he thought he was being accepted, and they really just wanted him there so they could find out all they could about the mob. Yes. So, um, the the other kind of key points. There's not a lot left to the episode, but no. we do find out. We do find out that um, Massive Genius is going to sue Hesh, and Hesh calls him out on it and says, "Well, you." Uh, in a song you did, you know, not too long ago, you sampled this, this from this scene or from the. I'm sorry, you sampled. Which... Yes. <laughs> so he's going to counter sue, and you know, now we've gone from essentially what it is is it's it's kind of funny because Tony was aspiring to get out of the the. What do I want to say? Out of the confrontational thing of like gangsters and mobsters, right? Into into legitimacy, and this situation goes the other way because at first they were talking about you know we might have to settle this with bloodshed, and now they're going to be settling it in a courtroom. Yep, yep. And as Massive Genius puts it, I've got a lawyer on retainer every day for fifty thousand dollars. So 
he can afford to go through litigations. Yes. Which we never hear about this ever again. So I'm assuming no. that he lost. I'm no, and yeah, it's, was able to get you know his point and, across. And I was think I was thinking about that when I was watching the episode. I was like, do they ever mention this again? Nope. Because in the scene where Hash is listening to the the music, mm-hmm. they they show those pictures of him and the lady, right. and it almost it almost seems like he's reminiscing, like he may have had a relationship with her, right? Exactly. But I don't think I don't think that ever even gets addressed again either. No. No, so I don't, I don't know if they thought they had plans where they were going to continue with this or, or what. But again, and that's one of the things where I say this: it's kind of an inconsequential episode. Yeah, it, like I said at the beginning, it was busy work because look, we still have three episodes left, and we don't know if we're being picked up yet. So if that our finale is going to be our finale for everything, we got to make sure we time it perfectly. So right. let's give them these offshoot storylines to keep them busy for a week. They'll like them because some of them are humanizing. We give Tony a, you know, human humanizing storyline. We give Christopher a chance to look like a big guy. You know, we introduce Hesh more. So they'll be okay with it, but nothing is going to happen in the big grand scheme of it all. Right. You know. And then in the, what I said earlier about a great punchline to end this episode, unless there was something else I missed that you wanted to mention. Nope. Nope, you're good right now. <laughs> I love this, and again, this is Tony and his humor and his sarcasm. He comes into the comes into the kitchen, and Carmela's there, and he's got a he's got a package. You know, looks like it might have a box in it. That you know, what is it? Cigars? Is it a gun? Is it right? What's in this? And uh, he says he's gonna he's gonna take it over to Cusimano's house because it, when she says what's in the box he says sand I'm gonna tell him to sand. hold on for I'm gonna tell him to hold on to it for a while yeah uh, I love it I just oh, love yeah. it it uh, was his way of getting back at Cusimano because you set me up for these guys to prod me and pick mm-hmm. on me so now here let me give you something you want you want to be a part of the mob business here's this package I need you to hold it for a little while and I'll come get it <laughs> And again, we never get a resolution, but we do know that Kusumano was freaked out about it because yes. the ending scene is him and his wife looking at this box, <laughs> wondering, could there be a severed hand in it? Is it a gun? Right. Is it money? Is it drugs? It could have been a bomb. And I love the, the added, and, and there, is a, there is a little kind of a slap in Tony's face because he asks about club membership and... All of a sudden, the story is no memberships closed until somebody dies or whatever. But I also remember it's a kind of a throwback because when Christopher says, I want to get made, he tells him memberships closed right now. Yeah. So it kind of revolves back to that. Mm -hmm. But I do love I I also did love the added thing of Tony just just kind of extra fucking with him because Kusumano is like, how? How long? How long? He's like, I don't know. Maybe, maybe a month. Maybe, maybe a longer. Couple weeks, maybe a month. Maybe, maybe longer. Yeah, maybe not a month. Maybe shorter <laughs> than that. I don't know. Right. So this fucking guy is going to have this box in his house for the rest of his life. Right. Wondering is today today Tony Soprano knocks on my door and says, "Where's my box? <laughs> you know, I need that thing." <laughs> but overall, out of five stars. 
If I'm doing a, if I'm doing five stars or five five lasagnas or whatever we're doing, here. I'm I'm going with a three this week. It was middle I, of the road. We are we are of the same mind. I also yeah. have three out of five because again, it's the Sopranos, so none of it is bad. Right. It's just right. if you're only comparing it against other episodes of the Sopranos, right? It's not one of the best episodes. Well, we excuse me. We don't get to see Junior. We don't get to see Livia. We don't get to see what's going on there. We don't know what's going on with the indictments anymore. If anybody's going to get still get, you know, ran into jail or whatnot. Polly and, and Big Pussy and Sylvia are only in the episode for like four minutes. So, yeah, this is an out of the normal realm. Still good, but out of the normal realm of what we're used to with The Sopranos. And we'll get more episodes like this. Yes. But this one... Definitely seemed like they were like, look, we only got enough ideas for three episodes and we got four left to do. So let's just yeah. do what we're we got to do to get let's through just, it. We just, we just got to spin our wheels for a week. And, right. Right. Um, now, what I will say before we sign off is next week is a completely different story. Oh, yeah. Next week next, is the big one. Next week is a fantastic episode. Um, nobody Knows Anything is the name of the episode and we will talk about it next week. But there is a lot of really really good stuff in the next episode and, as we head toward the season one finale in my opinion the next episode is what the rest of the the, the, the rest of the series is built on yes because absolutely truly get your first step into understanding how crazy the mob and the soprano family really are mm -hmm. so yeah so, Archie, unless you have any uh, parting words for our listeners? No, no. Just uh, keep listening. Keep getting the word out there. You know, you guys are just the biggest part of this show is me and Nate are. Otherwise, we'd be talking to each other and nobody else, which is okay. I don't mind talking to Nate. Yeah, same. Uh, That's what I was about to say. That's fine. We can do that, too. <laughs> but uh, And uh, remember to always uh, leave the gun and take the cannolis. <laughs> And do check us out on any podcast platform. Let your friends know about the show. Let your family know about the show. What the yeah. fuck are you doing over here? <laughs> Let people know about the show. And uh, if you do prefer to listen to your podcast on YouTube, maybe you're already listening to this on YouTube, but if you're listening on a podcast app and you prefer to listen to your podcast on YouTube, you can check the show out there as well on the WNR Podcast Network page. So, with that being said, we will sign off. We will see you next week. Season 1, Episode 11. Nobody knows anything. Shit's about to get popping, folks, on The Sopranos. Right. And we'll see you next week. Good night, everybody. <laughs>